hey everybody, I just want to welcome you here to Embrace. My name is Adam, I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses, network churches. Thank you so much for being with us. Just excited about what God has in store for every single one of us. Also want to say happy Easter. I hope it's been a fantastic weekend so far. Hope you've had a chance to do an egg hunt with your family. Uh, if you have kids, hopefully you got to the mall and got a picture with a creepy Easter bunny with your kids. Uh, if that's you, schedule a counseling appointment roughly 10 years from now from your kids, uh, just for your sake and just to help them process what they saw. But uh, again, just want to say happy, happy Easter. We're excited that you are with us today. Uh, about eight years ago uh, was a special day for my wife and I. Um, we got our very first house. And so we were so excited. We were moving into a place of our own. Uh, so we, the day came, we did the walkthrough. Uh, it was my wife and I, along with our realtor, we're just kind of checking the place out. And halfway through, uh, kind of the walkthrough, uh, the, the owner of the place came and said, I have to let you know about something. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like a good thing to share. You know, I'm like, do you guys not want to sell your house? Do you have a rat infestation that we don't know about? Spotted a ghost or two? Like, what could it possibly be? And she's like, well, ah, so we have this door up in our bathroom that you can open to get into the plumbing behind the bathtub. And when we were cleaning our place out, the door accidentally opened up and our large family cat ended up going into the door and now our family cat is stuck in the middle of your house. Like it's never happened before, like in the middle of your ceiling, like in your floor joist, our large family cat is stuck there. Again, we've been trying to get it out for hours. It is stuck. I'm, I'm a pastor. I immediately started praying, you know, like, Jesus, will you cast this demon out of our house? Like this cat, this cat demon, will you get it out? And so uh, my realtor leans over, one of my best friends, he leans over and he's like, in the history of ever, this has never, ever happened. I can't believe this is taking place. So we're like, okay, so what are we going to do? And the family's like, we're going to get a live trap. So they went to a, a hardware store, got a live trap, got sardines, picture the smell of sardines, and uh, they got this live trap. They put it in the only bathroom in our brand new house, and so we set this live trap up, and uh, we're expecting Fluffy, whatever his name is, Satan, I'm not sure what they called him, <laughs> but uh, we expected him to smell the old sardines and come back out. So we moved in. That day we moved in, uh, and we're expecting, you know, just a few hours are going to pass, and Fluffy's going to come out. A few hours pass, no sign of Fluffy. Uh, a few 24 hours pass, no sign of Fluffy. Two, three, four days pass, no sign of Fluffy. It gets close to a week, the owner calls, and I have never heard embarrassment like transfer through a phone before so clearly. I mean, like you could like just feel how embarrassed they were. Uh, she calls and she's like, this is crazy. Do whatever you need to do to get the cat just out of the house. My first thought was like, matches, gasoline, just burn the house down. So <laughs> she's, she's like, I'm not kidding. She's like, you do anything you need to do, just get it out, we'll pay for it. <laughs> so never forget this, this large man comes over. He had to be like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, close to 300 pounds of like stud. Comes over, he brings three things with him. He brings, he brings a ladder, he brings a sawzall, and he brings large leather gloves. And so he sets up the ladder in the middle of our brand new living room. 
Like our house is all set up. This is what dreams are made of. It's perfect. And then this large man comes in and he starts sawing like our ceiling. You know, like sheetrock dust is everywhere. It's covered our entire, entire place. And then he goes and he gets the leather gloves like you'd use for like mending a barbed wire fence, whatever men do with large leather gloves. I'm not really a man. And so uh, I'm not sure what you do with these things. And so gets these leather gloves, gets on the top of the ladder, reaches in. And he pulls out what I thought was like a small cheetah. I'm like, it's like a tiny Bengal tiger is stuck in there. And he pulls it out of the middle of our house. My favorite moment, though, uh, the owner came, had one of those like pet carriers. And uh, I'll never forget her standing on our front porch. And all she said, as the dust from the sheetrock is pouring out of our house, all she said was, I am so sorry. So, now, now, speaking of the middle, speaking of the middle, uh, it brings us to our focus of our message today. It also brings us to the focus of Easter, talking about the man in the middle of it all, a man named Jesus. And as we said last week, Jesus is not just in the middle of the Easter story. He is also the man in the middle of doubt and belief. More specifically, he's in the middle of our doubt and our belief. He's in the middle of our pain, of our heartache, of our brokenness, of our questions, of our anger. He is in the middle of it all. And so if you're here today and across campuses, network churches, and maybe you go to church every so often, you try to get to it on Easter and Christmas. If you find yourself here today, regardless of your story, and you find yourself somewhere between doubt and belief, which I would argue is all of us, by the way, If you find yourself there, today we're going to talk about what does it mean to believe? What does that mean? What does it look like? And what does it mean for us to believe? And so if you would, at this time, I'm going to have us open up to the words of a man named Luke across campuses. If you have a Bible with you, awesome. If you don't, no worries whatsoever. Open up to the book of Luke, chapter 23. You can use the Bible on your phone. If you don't have the Bible on your phone, I'd encourage you, download the Bible app. It's free. Uh, It's the Bible that I use on my phone. It's not connected to Embrace or anything. It's just a great app. Uh, Download it. Open up to to Luke, chapter 23. Just to give us the backstory, what's happened and leading up to the story, uh, Jesus has just recently been betrayed by a close friend, and he is arrested, and he is sentenced to die on a cross. And we're also told that two other people who were both criminals were going to be executed with Jesus. Luke specifically does not tell us what these two men did. All we knew, all we know about them is that they are criminals. He doesn't share what they did, but all three of them, the two men along with Jesus, were brought out to a place that Luke calls the skull. Uh, you've maybe heard it called Golgotha before, or maybe you've heard it called Calvary, but picking up our story in verse 33 of Luke chapter 23 here is what we find out. It says, they nailed him, Jesus, to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus is the man in the middle. Looking at this first man, verse 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. And so this is the first man, the man that we looked at last week. Last week we talked about doubt. And we said that it's okay to have doubt. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to even be angry at God. And oftentimes the church has said the opposite. The church has said you can't question anything. You can't have doubt. You can't be angry. You can't do this or that, which is really bizarre because the Bible itself is filled with people who got questions and anger and, and lots of doubt. And so we said doubt's okay. And our God, he wants us to bring our doubt and our questions and our anger to him. 
He wants us to bring it to him. And if we allow it to, our doubt can actually lead us toward the man in the middle. If we allow it to, our questions and even anger can lead us toward Jesus. And so that's the first guy, the guy we talked about last week. Now moving on today, this is what we find out about the second man, verse 40. It says this. It says, but the other criminal protested, don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Last verse, and Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. And so we meet these two guys, right? Now, just to say it, the both of them are pretty much the exact same person. What we know of the story, they're pretty much the exact same person. Both of them are criminals. Both of them are hanging on these crosses. One's on Jesus' right, one's on his left. Both of them are going to end up dying on these crosses that they're nailed to. Again, we don't really know much about them and what they did and their background. We don't know their crimes or what led to their crimes. But around what we do know, they're almost the exact same person except for one small but very important detail. They're pretty much the exact same person. The only real difference is one of them doubted and turned away from Jesus, and the other man believed. Again, they're almost the exact same person. What we know about them, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. The only difference is one of them doubted Jesus and turned away from the man in the middle, away from Jesus. The other man turned towards Jesus, and he believed. What did the second man believe? Well, thankfully, he tells us. Again, listen to what he says, verse 40. Don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. What did he believe? He's saying, we fall short. He's making it clear, we fall short. What do I believe? I fall short. We fall short. He's saying to his buddy, you and I, we both did screw up. You and I, we actually do deserve this. We have made mistakes. He's just saying, we fall so short. We fall short. Now, I hate to be the one that informs all of you of this across campuses, network churches. I hate to be the one that tells you this, but the same exact thing is true for all of you and for me. We fall short. What does that mean? It means the standard that God has for us, we missed it. The standard that God has for us, we miss it every single time, every single day, sometimes every single hour. We fall short. And some of us here are here and we're like, no question we fall short. There's no doubt I fall short. Pastor, you don't need to convince me of that. There's no doubt I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. There's no question. You don't have to convince me. That's actually enough on this point because there's no question I've got a broken past. There's no question I am so far from perfect. Some of you know that while others of us are here and we're like, actually, I'm a fairly good person. I mean, I wouldn't brag about it. I wouldn't you know, spread the news about it, but I'm actually a fairly good person. Like I haven't done nearly as bad of things as my, my brother, my mom, her mess. I didn't, my coworker, my, my college roommate who kind of went off the deep end after college, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to judge her, but like, I'm not a, that bad of a person and I've tried to do a lot of good things. And if that's you today, if you're here and you're like, I really don't think I'm that bad as a close friend of yours, I just want to come in and just say just one word. Really? Like, really? Like, you really don't think you're that bad? I mean, just to say it, the things that you've said about your friends when they're not in the room is just wrong. And the the temper tantrums that you've thrown in your car when you're all by yourself, I'll say it for you, 
It's kind of embarrassing. And some of the thoughts that you've had, some of the things that you think about, I hate to say this to you, but it's really, really dark. And some of the things that you do in your private life that no one even knows about, just as a friend, it's pretty disgusting. Really? I don't know about anyone else, but it's like I have just so clearly fallen short. Anyone else where you're just like, I just know without question I have fallen short. On that note, would anyone want to come forward and share your worst moment of this past year? Anybody want to share your wretched moment from this past 365 days? Okay, no volunteers. I guess I have the mic. I'll go first, okay? And so uh, last summer, uh, last summer I had one of the worst weeks of my life. Just be totally candid. If you were to ask me some low points, I would have mentioned a week last, last, last summer. It was just brutal. I was exhausted. I was, I was just finished. I was just done in every level. I came home, and as I'm coming home, I'm trying to think about how can I get to my bedroom without my wife or my kids seeing me so I can get to my room, lock the door, and just have some time to myself so I can cool off. So I'm thinking about that. I get home, pull in my garage, come into, out of my garage into our backyard, and as soon as I'm there, uh, my four kids and my wife are out in the backyard playing. They got sprinklers set up. They're all in their, their bathing suits. They're having such a great time. It is the picture of joy. Cue the old wretched man into the story. <laughs> That's me. I see them, and still I'm thinking, man, they're having so much fun. I don't want to ruin this moment. I just want to get to our bedroom as quick as I can so I can just have some time so I can lock the door all by myself. Well, I, I step out of our garage, and the very first I st- step I take, I somehow trip, and my shoe comes off, and I end up stepping right in the middle of just like this puddle of water. Like, it, like my foot disappears into the water that the sprinklers have created. And I don't know what it was, but in that moment, and this actually is not funny, I just totally lost it. I lost it. My shoe came off. I kid you not, I grabbed my shoe and I started hitting the ground as hard as I possibly could. Mind you, my four kids are watching along with my wife. Broad daylight, I'm in my backyard. My neighbors could see me from there. I, I am hitting the ground as hard as I can until I finally realized that I'm getting older and my arm gets tired a lot faster than I thought it would. So when I got done doing that, what did I do? I took my shoe and I threw it as far and as hard as I possibly could. Again, not funny. Went over our garage and hit the side of our neighbor's house. My shoe. I look up. My wife looks at me. Just one of those moments like, what's going on? doesn't say a word. She walks into the house. My four kids are terrified, screaming bloody murder. Again, seconds earlier, the picture of joy, pure joy. I mess it up. They run in completely terrified of their old man. I sit in the backyard for a few minutes. It actually gets worse. I sit in the backyard for a few minutes. My, my oldest son comes out. Again, this isn't funny. He says, Dad, do you want your shoe back? I said, yeah, buddy, but I'll go get my own shoe. And he's like, no. He took off, ran, and got my shoe. I'll never forget the look on his face when he brought it back to me. I don't know about you, but, it, but just, I'm just saying for me, I fall so short. I fall so short. I just fall so short. Only redeeming part of that story, uh, 
about an hour later, once my wife could look at me again, I told her uh, at the time, the house that my shoe hit uh, was lived in by one of the most active drug dealers in town. I told Becky, I was like, well, they're not going to call the cops. <laughs> I was like, they're the last people who are going to call the cops. I'm a crazy man throwing shoes over the garage. And so again, the second man believes. He says we fall short. And then listen to what he goes on to say. He tells the other criminal, he says, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, Jesus, he has done nothing wrong. So what does he believe? He starts with we fall short. And then he continues on to say, but Jesus is perfect. Again, he starts with we fall short. He tells his buddy, you and I, we both have screwed up. We deserve this. This is exactly what we should get. We fall short, but Jesus, he is perfect. He's done nothing wrong. He's perfect. He's perfect. Now, whether you grew up in the church or not, you've maybe heard that Jesus is perfect, that God is perfect, but let me just inform all of us. We have no idea or concept of what we're saying when we say that Jesus is perfect. It's like something we can't grasp. It's like I can't even comprehend that he's, he's, he's perfect. I, I'm a person who wears undershirts fairly often. Uh, right now I'm actually wearing an undershirt, and I'm not sure why I wear undershirts. I'm already normally hot and sweating, and so I'm not sure why I double up. Fashion is not an easy thing, folks, okay? Sometimes it's painful, and sometimes you just need to bear it, okay? Uh, so I wear my undershirts, and I love them, and every time I wear them, I wash them afterwards. This is a safe place. I just shared about throwing a shoe over the, the garage. I'm not lying. I wash my undershirts every single time. So I'll wear them, and I'll wash them, and I'll wear them, and I'll wash them. And a few months later, they're still perfectly white. I mean, that's just amazing how white they are. Uh, but every so often, uh, after, time, after time passes, my wife will say, I think you should get some new undershirts. And I'm like, why do you need to judge my, my shirts and my style? And uh, she'll say, uh, because they're kind of nasty. And I'm like, no, they're actually perfectly white. They're white, they're great, they're awesome. What? I don't know what you're saying. And she's like, no, actually, they are perfectly yellow. And so she'll go and she'll get new undershirts. And then I'll, I'll see my current shirts that I've been wearing for the last several decades. And every time I compare the two, I start, like, struggling with a dry heaving. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I feel like throwing up right now. Like, it's in that moment where I realize I had no idea of what perfect really looks like. Like, I had no idea of what, what white looks like. I had no idea of, of perfect. For all of us in our own lives, maybe we have people that we look up to. Maybe in your life, there's a grandma that you just look up to, you put on a pedestal. Maybe there's a mentor of yours or a coach or, or a teacher that was such an influential person in your life, and, and you're like, they're on this pedestal, and my grandma, she is perfect, except that grandma's not. And my coach, this mentor, I mean, he's such an amazing, godly man, such an amazing, godly woman, and, 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 and he's, she is perfect, except they're not. Again, one more time, Jesus is perfect. He's perfect. Like he loves us, get this, he loves perfectly. He loves the prostitute and the addict as much and as consistent as he loves the faithful churchgoer who appears to be perfect. And for all of us on our best day and also on our throw a shoe over the garage worst day, our God's love for us, it is constant and it remains forever the same. There's no strings attached to it. He loves us perfectly. He loves perfectly. He also forgives perfectly. 
As he's being nailed to a cross, he is saying, Father, please forgive them for they know not what they do. Just so you don't miss it, as people are nailing his hands and his feet to a cross, as he's being murdered, he is saying, Father, would you please forgive them? Again, he loves perfectly. He forgives perfectly. And one step further, he lives perfectly. Tempted in every way. Betrayed. Ever been betrayed before? Did it end up in death? Beaten? Spit upon? Yet was completely without sin. To you, he's never been two-faced. Ever. He's never had a bad thought about you. Ever. He's never said one thing to your face and then gone to a group of coworkers or a group of friends and said something completely different. Again, he loves perfectly. He forgives perfectly. He lives perfectly. He is perfect. Once more, this criminal declares and he believes that we fall short, but Jesus is perfect. And then he continues on with one last thing. Starting in verse 42, he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied and answered by saying, I assure you today, today you will be with me in in, in paradise. Again, this man is saying he he believes I I fall short. He's saying "I, I fall short and he believes that Jesus is perfect. And then one last statement, he says he believes that Jesus can rescue him. Again, I believe that I fall short. I believe that Jesus is perfect. I believe that he can rescue us. He's not just perfect, he's able to rescue us. This is so powerful to think about. This criminal is dying. His final words, I've heard that's a big deal for a person, their final things that they say. He, He turns to the man in the middle. He turns to Jesus. And he just simply speaks the words, just remember me. Just remember me. Just rescue me. And little does this criminal know that it's because of this cross that Jesus is hanging on. It's because he's in the middle. It's because of Good Friday. And it's also because of Easter. Something the criminal doesn't even know is coming. It's because of Easter in an empty tomb. It is because of these two things that Jesus is able to rescue him. He doesn't even know it. And yet it's because of the cross and it's because of the empty tomb that Jesus is able to rescue us. It's because of the cross, empty tomb. I I can just hear the criminal saying to Jesus, I've fallen so short. I've made so many mistakes. But you are so perfect. And God, would you just remember me? Would Would you rescue and then Jesus responds by, plan, by, by saying, today, uh, you will be with me. Translation, right now, I can help you. Right now, I can rescue you. And I'm able to do so again because of this cross and because of an empty tomb. Not wishful thinking, not five better steps to a better life. Instead of, this only, it's only this cross and this empty tomb. I don't know about you, but uh, so many times in my life, I need to be rescued. And just to say it, I'm a person who needs to be rescued daily, daily. More honest, sometimes I need to be rescued like hour to hour. 
As a parent, when you have those epic fail moments, it's like, Jesus, I just need your help. Would you just come and rescue me? As a human being, God, I can't believe some of the stuff that's inside of me. God, would you just, would you just, I just need your help. Would you come and rescue me? When it comes to this bitterness in my soul, God, when it comes to this, like, this jadedness, when it comes to this unforgiveness that I have against so many different people, Jesus, would you just come? I so badly need your help. Would you rescue me? When it comes to my restlessness, God, when it comes to this anxiety that sometimes it just feels like it's paralyzing me, I so badly need your help. Would you come and rescue me? Oftentimes when I'm singing, in a church service, or I'm, I'm, I'm singing in my car, oftentimes I'll have my hands just raised in worship. And don't be concerned. I'm one of the best leg drivers that you have ever seen. It's just amazing. It's like, here comes a turn. No worries. I got that covered. We're good. But no, actually, that's a joke. That's totally not true. Okay, anyways, but oftentimes I'll have my hands up when I'm worshiping. Again, sometimes even in bed, I'll pull my, put my hands up. And what I'll do is I'll picture God physically grabbing my hands and pulling me out of the place that I'm in. When I'm worshiping and I just have one of those moments of just being broken, I'll, I'll put on some music, you know. At night, I'll put on some music when I'm laying in bed and I'll physically like hold my hands up, just envision Jesus reaching down, grabbing my hands and pulling me out of the pit that I've often dug with my own two hands. It's him pulling me out. It's like, God, just right now, would you just pull me out of this place? Today across campuses, I'm not sure what it is for you. Maybe it's your marriage. This feels like it's falling apart. It's like, Jesus, I just, we just need your help. Would you just come and rescue us? Maybe it's grief. You lost a loved one, you lost a friend, and it's just like killing you on the inside. You just feel like you can't get out of bed. It's like, God, would you just pull me out of this grief? Maybe it's an addiction, an addiction that your whole family knows about, and you kind of kind of walks on eggshells around you, and they're constantly praying for you, hoping you have a good day. Or maybe it's an addiction that not another soul knows about, and yet it's a battle you fight every single day. And it's just like, Jesus, would you come and rescue me? I just need your help. Maybe it's your your anxiety. Maybe you just need you just need me rescued. Maybe you're in a storm right now, a storm that doesn't seem to have an end, and you're just like out of your course, it's like, Jesus, I need your help. Would you just come and pull me out? Like, I just need to be rescued. And so there's our, our need to be rescued on a day-to-day basis. But even more than that, on an eternal basis, who we are when we stand before God, again, more than the day-to-day, who we are when we stand before God, there's this thing inside of us when we have a true understanding of who God is and who we are that just begins to cry out, I fall short. You are perfect. Please come and rescue me. It's like more than that daily savior of like pulling us out of our mess and our pain and our brokenness. It's like, God, when I stand before you, the only one who can truly judge me, my audience of one, when I stand before you, it is so clear I fall short. You are perfect. Would you just please come and rescue me? Would you come and rescue me? Going back to these two guys, these two criminals, we didn't say this earlier, but I just want to make sure we hear this. One of the criminals wasn't a better person than the other one. Just to be really clear, one of them wasn't a nicer man than the other one. 
One wasn't more religious than the other one. One didn't buy more Girl Scout cookies than the other one. One didn't help more old men with canes cross more streets than the other one. Really, the only difference between the man on the right and the man on the left is that one of them believed in the man in the middle. That's the only difference. Only difference between the man on the right and the man on the left is one of them believed in the man in the middle. And the same is true for us. When we stand before God, it's not a matter of were you a better person than the next person. The question won't be, did you do more nice things than the next person did? Did you try to help more people? Did you try to be a a good person? Did you try to get to more Easter services than than your cousin or your your brother? That's not going to be the question. The only question is, did you turn towards the man in the middle? Did you turn towards Jesus? Did you believe in him or not? That's That's the only question. More specifically today, um, across campuses, network churches, I wish I could just sit down with each and every one of you and, I, and just ask these three simple questions to you. I'm just asking them right now, actually. Do you believe that you have fallen short? Do you believe that you fall short? Do you believe that Jesus is perfect? Yeah, maybe you still have some questions and there's some things that you, you don't know about, but do you believe that Jesus is perfect? And then the last question, do you believe, and more, one step further, have you asked Jesus to come and rescue you? Most important questions you'll ever wrestle with. Jesus is hanging on the cross. I even love the posture that he has. He's got his arms wide open to us. He says, come, anyone, anybody. I don't care about your past, your brokenness, your imperfections, your divorce. The season that you walked away from me and you cursed me. I'm I'm, I'm in the middle and I'm not moving. There's one guy who doubted me, well, another one who believed, but that's not what I'm focused on. What I want to ask today, and it's your God saying this, is where are you? Where are you? Do you believe that you've fallen short? Do you believe that I'm perfect? Do you believe that I can come and rescue you? Today, if we're here and we've never said yes to this, Maybe we've gone to church here and there. Maybe we grew up in the church. We were baptized and confirmed, but we've never had a relationship with Jesus. We've never just fully declared like, yes, yes, yes. I can't think of a better day than today. Maybe at some point you followed Jesus, but but life got in the way. You walked away in college. You walked away with your career. You had some storms that you went through. There were some seasons, some regrets that you had, and you walked away from him. I can't think of a better day than Easter 2019 to just declare, Jesus, I believe these three things. If that's you today, we're going to pray here in a moment. I just want to encourage you, again, as, just as your friend, most important questions you'll ever wrestle with. Questions that will bring you a peace that surpasses all understanding and all circumstances. So we're going to pray. Um, I also just want to say, if you're making this commitment or recommitment, as you came in today across campus, you should have been given one of these connection cards. Please fill this out. On the left side, there's, there's boxes you can check for making a commitment or recommitment. We just want to walk alongside you. Praying is the very first step in a lifelong of following Jesus. It's the very first step. And so we want to, want to hook you up with some different things to help you in, in that journey. But I'm going to pray here. And um, again, I, I just want to encourage you. There's some of you who are just on the fence with this. If you can say yes to these three things, I I just as your friend, your brother, I can't encourage you enough to pray with me. 
I'm halfway during the prayer. I'm going to speak three things, and I just encourage you to say those things in your soul and speak them out to God. Speak them out to Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we come before you and we, we, just, we just lift you high. We, we lift your name up. We've been lifting our name up all week and it's gotten us nowhere, so we, we lift your name up. We come thankful for a cross. We thank you for Good Friday. We also thank you for Easter and an empty tomb, and it's because of these things that you can come and rescue us here today. And so my brothers and sisters, again, if you want to make this commitment, just say these things in your soul. Speak them out to God. Jesus, I fall short. I fall short. I've made mistakes, God. I've screwed up. I fall short. The second thing, just say it to God, but Jesus, you are perfect. You're perfect. You're without fault, without sin. You're perfect in a way that I can't even comprehend because I'm so imperfect. I fall short, you are perfect. And then lastly, God, because of these things, would you come and rescue me today? Rescue me from my my bitterness, from my jadedness, from this addiction, from my anger, from my rage. God, would you just come and rescue me? Would you be my daily savior? But even more than that, would you rescue me when it comes to eternity? I fall short. You're perfect. Because of that, you can save us. You can rescue us. You can free us, God. Would you just right now, would you do so? Would you make us new? Would you forgive us of our sin? Would you set us on a new path? Would you put a new song in our soul? Would we take off the crown that we're wearing, the, the, the thought that we are in control of all things? We take off that crown, and we just set it before you because we want you to be the leader. We want you from this day forward to be the Lord of our lives. God, we thank you. And when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that you are Lord, you do so. Father, we thank you. We, we, we praise you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Across campus, as all God's people said, amen, amen.